Today's the beginning of our, our brand new message series that we're calling the Multiply Vision, and uh, we're going to have a good time today. We're going to be talking about vision, and I was, I was thinking back this week to when I was a kid, and uh, some of you have probably had similar experiences. When I was uh, very, very young, it became very obvious to my parents that I had a vision problem, partly because I had one eye that went that way and one eye that went this way. And, uh, and so they took me to the eye doctor, and they prescribed glasses for me that were like the bottoms of pop bottles. They were just awful. In fact, I tried to find a picture and I couldn't find the greatest picture, but there's me and my glasses when I was a little kid. Um, I'm, I'm the one not wearing pigtails. And, um, and, and I had a really cool experience as a kid. I think I was four or five when I first got glasses. And, uh, and I remember this very vividly. It's one of my earliest childhood experiences. After I got my glasses, my parents were really bothered because my eyesight was really severely bad. And so they took me to church, and we attended a church that's just like this one in terms of believing that God heals people. And they took me to the, to the leaders of the church and asked them to pray for me. And they laid hands on me, just like we do at the end of our services here, and they laid hands on me and prayed for me for my eyes to be healed. And nothing happened immediately, but something fascinating happened. Every year when I would go back to the eye doctor for a checkup, my eyes would get incrementally better. And it happened year after year after year until I was 21 years old and I visited the, the eye doctor for the last time and he said, Russ, your vision is 2020. You can throw your glasses away. And at that point, my healing was complete and I didn't wear glasses again for 24 years. Isn't that awesome? And then uh, when I was 45, I started noticing that when I was driving at night, especially all the lights would get blurry. Have any of you had that experience where it's nighttime is the worst? And I started to worry, man, maybe I'm losing my healing. Maybe something has happened, you know, and, and, I, and, and doubt kind of started filling in, into my head. So I went to the doctor and we started talking and he said, listen, dude, you're just old. And... Um, and so I got glasses when I was 45 again, but, but not the pop bottle kind. I've just got a little bit of correction that just refines everything. And, and so now I see awesome. But, but here's the deal. And if you're taking notes this morning, you want to write this down from the very beginning that uh, we need clear vision. If we're going to see where we're going, we've got to have good vision. If we're going to see where we're going, we've got to have good vision. And this is true in the natural realm, and it's true in the spiritual realm as well, and it's true as a church. Um, about six months ago, my good friend Dean Siskoyas asked me what my vision for Connect Church was. And it really got me thinking, and, and I knew that I had a general idea of where I wanted Connect to go, but it was kind of fuzzy. It was kind of like when I'm driving at night when I was 44, 45 years old. It was just a little bit fuzzy. And so I began praying about where God was going to lead Connect, and, and we began to brainstorm with all of our leaders here at Connect. And, uh, and we've been bringing this into focus, and we're going to be sharing these things with you over the next six weeks. And I imagine that most of you who have been connectors for some period of time uh, probably have a pretty general idea of where we're going. But over the next six weeks, I'm hoping that we can bring this into very sharp focus for all of us. And most importantly, this is what I want to say. If we're going to go where Jesus wants us to go, we're going to have to have a very clear vision of where he's going. 
And so this is what this next series is going to be all about, and I'm really excited about this. So we're going to jump into Luke chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles with me, uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, you're going to want to open up to Luke chapter 5. Not everything's going to be on the screen today, uh, and so I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we've got a stack of them back at the Welcome Center. And just before we jump into it, I want to I want to encourage you and and uh, give you some information. If you've been away from Connect for a little while, uh, right at the beginning of the new year, we started a U version reading plan all together. And I've had some wonderful conversations in the last couple of weeks with people that have been reading the Bible together on our reading plan. And if you're not familiar with U version, it's a free app that you can get for your devices. All kinds of devices can use U version, or you can use it in a web browser on your computer. And, uh, and we've chosen a, a reading plan that we're reading together. Pam is putting it in the link, so if you're a non-techie, that's okay. You can still read along with us. But this is one of the Holy Spirit things that has happened. We've been working on this vision stuff uh, for six months. And in this week's reading, the story that unpacks this thing just so beautifully is in this week's reading. And that wasn't by design on my part. That was the Holy Spirit just at work putting the pieces together. So it's pretty cool. But I want to just, before we jump into Luke chapter 5, I want you to hear another testimony of something that happened in Great Falls regarding our reading plan. And this is pretty cool. Uh, Most of you know Lucas. He's one of our teaching team members uh, from our Great Falls campus. Take a look at this. And I just had a really cool experience that happened today that I just felt really led to share with y'all. And uh, it started, I got up this morning, a little bit after 4 a.m. And went to spend some time with God and doing my reading and stuff before getting my day started. And it was cool because I logged on to my YouVersion account and wanted to check out my Bible reading plan for the day and doing a couple of them. But uh, as soon as I logged in, you have a wall, um, kind of like similar to Facebook and I noticed that one of my friends on Uversion um, had finished his reading five hours before, and so in my mind, I'm like, 4.40, 4.30, uh, yeah, he finished about 11.30 at night, and I thought it was really cool that, you know, at the end of his day, when he was probably tired, beat, he's a hard-working guy, that he had made the time to make it a priority to uh, spend some time with God, deny himself sleep, and... Uh, spend time with God, well, it didn't stop there. I felt led to, you know, like it on his page there um, and just encouraging him that way about uh, finishing his reading for the day. But then I also had to drop him a text and, you know, that led to just encouraging him again and telling him, you know, dude, it's really cool. You were up late reading and I just admire your uh, dedication and spending time with God when he could be sleeping and just really cool, and I mean, it was just awesome for me to start out my day seeing um, somebody who means a lot to me spending their evening with God and making God a priority in their life, and um, yeah, and this guy, like I said, dear brother of mine, watching him grow is, is good to see God work in my own life, so that was really cool, and another thing that was really cool about it was, you know, in this life of social media that we live, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, a lot of times you get a lot of negative with these other things. The, the negative that comes with social media, posts, rants, raves, and all of that. And, you know, with you, version sharing with friends, what's great is you always get to get, you get to see what they highlight, 
what they're reading, encourage them, walk with them in this journey called life. And uh, it's with you, them, and God. So it's so much cooler to see that than, than see all the, unfortunately, garbage that we see. And so often I'm, I'm tempted to comment on these things um, on Facebook and find myself typing out a long response and then deleting it at the last minute, just saying, you know, there's, there's bigger fights, bigger battles, and God's got a different purpose. So I'm just thankful for the Holy Spirit leading there. But um, on you version, when you add your friends to your list, you get the accountability, and everything you see is good. You get to see, like I said, the things that are highlighting, the things that are reading. And in this case, for me, um, a dear brother of mine, making it a priority at the end of his night, when tired, to stop denying himself, spend some time with God, and um, you know that relationship he has with God overflows into our friendship our brotherhood that we have, and it's just great. So for all y'all, add your friends to you version. It'll be powerful. Accountability is always great. God bless you. I love you guys, and happy 2016. <laughs> so I just wanted you to see, I wanted you to hear this story. He was just telling me how, how this happened. I didn't even know you version had a social media aspect to it. I've used you version for many years, but this can be a powerful tool, and I just wanted you to know about that. Uh, be a great thing as we develop our connection groups. If connection groups friend each other on you version, it can be a really powerful discipleship tool like Lucas was saying. So let's jump into Luke chapter five. If you've got your Bibles open, we're going to start right at the beginning of the chapter. Here's what we read. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them, and they were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So Jesus sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now I want to stop right there, and I just want to make a couple of observations. First of all, crowds of people love Jesus. Do you see this in the story? It says that crowds of Jesus, this is just chapter five of Luke's gospel. It's just the beginning of Jesus's ministry, but there's already crowds of people following Jesus. But I want you to see something else. There aren't crowds of people gathered around fishermen who are just cleaning their nets, right? There's a huge contrast here. And it's kind of the same way in the church world. Have you ever noticed that when churches abandon the mission of Jesus, the crowds disappear and churches just go into maintenance mode? But people love to gather around Jesus and his mission. Let's keep reading. Verse 4 says, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out to where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. And I want to pause right here again and make a couple of, uh, of more observations. Here's what I see. When you go fishing with Jesus, you catch 
a lot of fish, right? When you go fishing with Jesus, you catch a lot of fish. And when you catch a lot of fish, you need your partners and their boats to come help you haul it in. And this is a really cool thing that we see in this story. Picking up at verse 8, it says, When Simon Peter realized what had happened, now look at this, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. Okay, this incredible miracle. Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. And his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And this is one of the biggest roadblocks that we face. This is one of the biggest obstacles that comes into our lives when we encounter Jesus. We don't feel worthy to be in the boat with Jesus. Have you been there? We don't feel worthy to be in the boat with Jesus. But if we aren't in the boat with Jesus, what do we do? We just go to clean the nets. We just go into maintenance mode. But look at what Jesus says. It's so beautiful. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. The first thing Jesus said to Simon was, don't be afraid. What are we afraid of? We're afraid of feeling guilty. We're afraid of not being good enough. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of the rejection of Jesus. We're afraid that if Jesus really gets to know who we really are, he's going to start changing us, and we might even be afraid of the change. But listen, I want to invite you to get in the boat with Jesus. That's what I'm talking about today. I want to invite you to get in the boat with Jesus. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, and then he kept on going. He said this, from now on, you're going to be fishing for people. Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. And verse 11 says that as soon as they landed, all of them, Peter, James, and John, left everything behind and they followed Jesus. And this is when we realize that this event was not random. This isn't just a story. This wasn't just a chance encounter. Jesus wasn't showing off at what he could do in the water, okay? This wasn't a big Jesus show-off event. This was a metaphor for the vision that Jesus has. This was a, a metaphor for the vision Jesus has, and the vision of Jesus is multiplying. That's what the vision of Jesus is, multiplying. The fishing experience showed us that Jesus was interested in more fish. But I don't think Jesus really cared about them hauling a catch and selling it in the marketplace. It was a metaphor that Jesus is interested in more people becoming followers of Jesus, more disciples. The fact that Peter called and got James and John to come along with and they became followers of Jesus is a metaphor for the fact that Jesus is looking for more leaders to help us make more disciples. And the fact that they needed more boats to haul in the fish is a metaphor for the fact that we need more containers for all the disciples that are going to come to Jesus. We need more connection groups. We need more campuses. We need more churches that are in the boat with Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
And the vision of Jesus is more fishes, more fishermen, and more boats. That's what Jesus is interested in. And today I want to invite you again to get in the boat with Jesus. And what I mean by that is, would you join me and the leaders here at Connect in pursuing the vision that Jesus is giving us? I want, to point, I want to put out for you what our vision is here at Connect, and we've been working very hard at getting the wording just right. And this is what we've come up with. This is a crystal clear vision of where we believe we're going as a church. Our vision at Connect is to multiply. We want to multiply disciples, we want to multiply leaders, and we want to multiply churches. This is our vision. Multiplying disciples, multiplying leaders, and multiplying churches. Now, what's the difference between being in the boat with Jesus and being on the shore cleaning the nets, doing a little bit of maintenance work? What, what does that metaphor look like? Well, I want to talk about what most churches count. When we talk rubrics, this is one of my favorite words. I kind of geek out about words. Uh, the rubrics that most churches count focus on two things. Butts and seats and budgets. Those are the things most churches count, right? And if you've ever been a part of another church, you know that that's usually what we count. Butts and seats and budgets. And I think if that's all we care about, it really indicates that we're just sitting on the shore cleaning nets. Because if you, count, if you just count butts and seats, you might have a growing church, and lots of churches grow, but the problem with only counting butts and seats is that you can grow from the wrong things. Like some churches, they just become the coolest church in town, and they're doing all the cool things. It's where the cool kids go, and so the church explodes, and the other churches empty out, and they're counting butts and seats, and they call it success, but it's the wrong rubric, okay? And churches that only care about budgets can miss the boat with Jesus because budgets can be misleading as well. Some churches might have one or two or three wealthy donors and those wealthy donors control everything that happens in the church and it might not be the mission of Jesus that's really happening in that church. And don't get me wrong, I think butts and seats and and budgets are important but they aren't the most important rubrics. Being in the boat with Jesus looks like this. Jesus told Peter to cast a net. Being in the boat with Jesus means that we're investing in relationships with people who don't know Jesus yet. Churches that only care about butts and seats and budgets, they tend to get ingrown and it's all about what's happening inside the church. But when we're in the boat with Jesus, we're casting a net looking for people who don't know him yet. If you're in the boat with Jesus, you find yourself hauling the net into the boat. That's a metaphor for making new converts into disciples. Because you see, there's a process. When people raise their hand on a Sunday morning and they pray a prayer with Pastor Russ, it doesn't mean that they automatically experience life change. There's a process of becoming a disciple of Jesus. And when you're in the boat with Jesus, you're hauling the net in. And then if you're in the boat with Jesus, you're going to start calling other fishermen. Because the job gets too big for one person, right? And so we need more people, and that's what Peter did. He called his friends James and John. And here at Connect, we're going to be talking a lot about apprenticing up-and-coming leaders so we can be ready for the disciples that Jesus is bringing to us. And then finally, you have to get some more boats. You've got to get some more boats. 
one of our visions here at Connect is that these connection groups that are going to be starting in a couple of weeks, I'm hoping that by the end of this semester, this is a huge, this is a huge dream, but I believe that it comes from Jesus. I'm hoping that by the end of this semester, every one of our connection groups will be big enough to divide into two. And there will be enough people in all the groups and enough leaders to be able to multiply our connection groups. That's what it means to get more boats. And then someday, Connect Church ought to grow to the point where we have so many connection groups and so many great leaders and so many disciples in the boat with Jesus that we've got to launch a new campus, maybe in Livingston, maybe in Manhattan, maybe in Three Forks. I don't know. Maybe it'll be, I don't know, Maui would be cool, but I doubt that half of you will go to Maui with me. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Uh, the mission of Jesus, being in the boat with Jesus, is, is casting the nets, hauling the nets in, and then getting leaders and more boats. That's what the, the, the uh, vision looks like. So if the rubrics of butts and seats and budgets is inadequate, uh, what are some rubrics that would really serve us well to know if we're really in the boat with Jesus? Let me share several with you that we're developing here at Connect. These are our rubrics. The first one is this. Connectors who are investing in unchurched and de-churched people. Connectors who are intentionally building relationships with people who are not followers of Jesus yet. You see, it's really easy if you're just on the shore mending nets. It's really easy to say, you know what? I've got a few really good Christian friends, and I've, I've got a little group of people I have coffee every week with, and I'm, I'm just really content, and I'm really satisfied, and I don't, need, I don't need the junk that those people over there. That's mending nets. That's cleaning nets. But the rubric we're going to be talking about a lot at Connect is investing in relationships with unchurched people. Second rubric is connectors who are investing in Christians, helping them become disciples. Christians who are investing in discipleship relationships. In other words, instead of just leaving it to uh, Des and Cooper to build disciples, we're going to be talking about how every one of us in this church family can start investing in building disciples one-on-one. That's a rubric that I think is really important for us to pay attention to. Thirdly, we're going to talk about ministry team leaders who are investing in apprentices. And we've talked about this for a number of years, and it's happening really good. One of the things I'm really proud of today uh, that I don't know if you noticed or not, but our music director, Scott Morales, and his wife, Sadie, are on vacation. And uh, Karen has been apprenticing with Scott for several years, and she did a great job leading the band this morning. And uh, Eddie Tsuru uh, on the bass was leading the instrumentals, and and we just had really, really well-equipped leaders so that when Scott and Sadie are gone, uh, they could step in, and and we had a great time worshiping, didn't we? It It was excellent. This is what apprenticing looks like, and uh, we're, we're hoping that all around Connect Church, every person in a leadership position will adopt an apprentice to invest in. That's one of our rubrics. And then fourthly, we're going to be talking about new connection groups. I already talked about that. New campuses, new churches. This is what we're going to be going after because this is the vision that I believe Jesus is giving us. Let me take you to one more story in Luke chapter 5, and this is really a very cool story. Uh, if you did your reading this week, you read both of these stories. 
And uh, a little later in Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 27, we're going to read the story about Levi. And we're going to see here in this story a, a, a great strategy for how we can get into the boat with Jesus and make a difference in, in starting to cast the nets and haul the nets in. So starting at verse 27, here's what we read. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Now, if you're new to the Bible stories, you might not be aware of this, but tax collectors were some of the most hated people in Jewish culture. Uh, Jews in particular, religious people hated tax collectors. Kind of reminds me of 21st century America, right? Uh, nobody likes it when the IRS calls, right? Uh, and, and so this was, this was no exception. Here's Levi. And Jesus encountered Levi. Look at what Jesus said. He said, follow me and be my disciple. So in verse 28, it says, Levi got up, he left everything, and he followed him. And later on, it doesn't tell us how, how much later, but later on, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. And I want you to hang on to that first sentence. Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. You see the word bitterly? They, they were not happy about this, and this is what they said. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? And Jesus answered them and said, listen, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I've come not to call those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners and they need to repent. Isn't it fascinating that this story is right on the heels of that metaphor of casting nets and calling more leaders and launching more boats? Because here's Levi. Levi is on mission to his fellow tax collectors, all the people that the religious people thought were scumbags. Levi's on mission introducing them to Jesus. And here's what I see, and this has kind of been my experience over the years of being in, in Christian leadership. I've noticed that when people first come to Jesus, they're, bless you. <laughs> I've noticed that when people first come to Jesus, they've got this fire lit in them, and they're passionate about introducing their friends and their neighbors to Jesus, their family members. They found the answer to that spiritual void in their lives, and all of a sudden, they want to get everybody on mission with, they, they want to help every single person meet Jesus. But as we age and as we get comfortable in our Christian life and as we get comfortable in our church, it's easy for us to lose contact with the people on the outside that still need Jesus. So it's really cool that Levi is doing this. And I want, to, I want to lead you then to multiply strategy number one. Each week I'm going to give you a strategy, and this is number one. And we find this in the story of Levi. If we're going to be effective at pursuing the vision that Jesus is giving us, we've got to have strategies. And number one is this, one simple word, invest. Invest. Think with me. What happens when you decide to invest? You have to put money somewhere different than maybe you would like to. I have a retirement account that I've been trying to contribute to uh, for 
I don't know how many years, a number of years. And uh, every month when I look at my pay stub and I see that that little bit of money, and it's not very much, but that little bit of money is going into a retirement account, I look at it and I think, gosh, I would sure like to buy X with that, that money. Boy, wouldn't it be nice if I had that extra money in my pocket instead of investing it? Um, it's not easy to invest, right? It costs us something to invest. But I want you to see what Levi was doing here. Levi was choosing to socialize with people that don't know Jesus. The story says that he threw a banquet in his home. He was spending money that he probably could have spent somewhere else. He was inviting people into his home, and then he was introducing them to Jesus. So here's our strategy. Uh, I want to encourage you to jump on this strategy in your life and invest in people. I want to encourage you to socialize with people who don't know Jesus. This is what investing means. Socialize with people who don't know Jesus. Share meals with people who don't know Jesus. Have coffee with people who don't know Jesus. Don't be stingy with people who don't know Jesus. Buy their dinner. Buy their coffee. Be generous. You can invest your time. You can invest your money. But it's imperative if we're going to haul the nets in and help people encounter Jesus that we invest in them. Uh, some of you that have been Christians as long as me, you remember the, the 70s, the 60s and 70s when we would go door to door. Remember door to door evangelism? How many of you ever did that? It was the most awful thing ever, right? And we had these little booklets that said the four spiritual laws and you'd knock on the door and you'd say, do you know the four spiritual laws? And they would go, no, slam, you know, and, you know, and, and that was the strategy that many of our Christians had in the 60s and 70s. And it wasn't very effective because we just got rejected over and over and over. And then every time we talked about evangelism or sharing our faith, we just go, ah, I can't do that. I can't take one more rejection. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about investing in relationships with people. And then the last step in this strategy is invite Jesus. Don't forget to have a spiritual conversation with the people you're investing in. Yesterday, Chris and I uh, had a great opportunity. We had some friends that don't know Jesus yet stop by our house. We were pulling down Christmas decorations and the house was all in disarray and these friends stopped in and uh, we invited him in and we just visited for about an hour. And it was awesome because um, I intentionally turned the subject to a little bit of a spiritual conversation. They were asking about our trip this last summer to Bali. And so I started to talk about the religion of people in Bali, and I talked about the Christian religion and how it plays out in Bali, just a little bit. I didn't tell her the four spiritual laws. I didn't, didn't go into anything. I just started planting spiritual seeds. And as we invest in this relationship, I hope someday I'll be able to really bring her to an encounter with Jesus. But it's step by step, and it comes by investing. Does this make sense? And this is what... Uh, I believe our strategy is is not to become cloistered in the four walls of Connect Church, but to begin casting the nets to people that don't know Jesus yet by investing in them. But this is the last thing that I want to share with you, and then we'll talk about next steps. When you start doing this, I have to give you a warning. When you start doing this, don't be surprised when churchy people call your friends scumbags. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Because a lot of times when we start casting the nets and they start encountering Jesus and they start becoming a part of our Connect Church family, they don't look real clean and pretty. And the churchy people and the self-righteous people, the Pharisees, don't like scumbags messing up their prettiness. But here's what I see in Luke chapter 5. Jesus likes to hang out with scumbags. That's why Jesus hangs out with me. Anybody with me? Okay. We usually say we're wackadoo around here, but I think a lot of us are scumbags too. Maybe, maybe former scumbags, I don't know. But, uh, but this is the mission of Jesus. He's, he's not looking to hang out with all the people that are all pretty and have everything put together. Jesus hangs out with scumbags, and it's our responsibility if we are his disciples, if we are leaders on mission following the vision of Jesus, it's our responsibility to take Jesus to the scumbags. And you know what? Jesus is going to change their lives the same way he's changed yours. And this is the vision of Jesus. Will you get in the boat with Jesus? Will you get in the boat with Jesus? Let me tell you, it's not fun sitting on the shore and just cleaning the nets and hoping that maybe tomorrow it'll be different. You got to get in the boat with Jesus. Cast the net, haul it in, Call your friends to help you get some more boats. We'll pray in just a moment, but let me give you some next steps. Here's number one. I want to invite you this, this week, if you are a connector, if this is your home church, I want to invite you to memorize our vision statement. I want to invite you to memorize our vision statement. And it's pretty easy. You probably already have it. Our vision is to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Just that simple. Our vision is to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. And then the second one is probably a little more difficult, but if this is your church home, I want to ask you this week to choose an investment relationship. Choose an investment relationship. And by that, I mean, will you spend some time in prayer and ask God to give you a vision for who you can invest in to, to introduce to Jesus? And then just start spending time with that person. Start in, inviting them to do things. Uh, but, but the last part of that is so important. Be sure you invite Jesus along. You know, I, I've had relationships when I was a young man. I can remember uh, I- investing in people that, that were far from God and, and they would influence me to walk further away from Jesus instead of the opposite. You know what I'm saying? You've got to make sure that Jesus is part of this relationship. So figure out how to do that. But this week, pray and then make a decision. This is going to be my investing relationship. Uh, share a meal. Invite people to your home. I know some people these days, gosh, they don't they don't socialize in their homes much. But do you know what it communicates to people when you invite somebody into your home? You're telling them, I really care about you and I, I'm inviting you into my life. So it's easy to go out for coffee. Sometimes it's harder to invite people into your home, but that's what Levi did. He had a banquet in his home. Can you do that? Can you invest in that way? And then the third next step is this. I want to ask you, if this is your church home, would you make a commitment to not miss any one of these messages? I, I, I said this when we first started this morning, and I don't, I, I don't think I can overstate it. I believe the Holy Spirit is starting something here. I believe the Holy Spirit is igniting a fire that can revolutionize 
all of Gallatin County if we will really get this. And if we will do this, we can be so on mission with Jesus that, that we won't have room for all the people that Jesus brings in. But it means that we have to be committed and dedicated. And it means that we have to spend the money and the time investing in relationships instead of investing in couches and football games. And you know I love my Hawks, okay? Uh, but it, it's a sacrifice, and, and would you make a commitment with me this week that you won't miss any one of these six messages? It's critically important that we're all on the same page together. I didn't hear any amens. Thank you. I'll take that as a commitment. Put your things aside, would you, and stand with me? Let's pray. Jesus, I love how deliberately you taught And as I read through the Gospel of Luke with my church family during this season, I I am just once again so taken with your intentionality and your creativity and your passion and your commitment to change the world. Jesus, I pray that as we make the choices to get in the boat with you instead of mending nets on the shore, I pray, Lord, that you will help us to be brave enough to cast the net. And then I pray that you will fill our nets with people that are coming to Jesus. Open up our eyes, Lord, to see the people that you're working in so that we won't be complacent or that we won't miss opportunities, but that we will see with spiritual eyes the people that need Jesus and the people that are ready to receive Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that as a church family, you will just help us to follow you with all of our hearts, Lord. No turning back, no looking back, no regrets, but just help us, Lord, to stay in the boat with you. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I wasn't really sure how we were going to end today, but uh, as we were singing, I, I, I just feel like I got a little bit of direction from the Lord, so uh, this will be a little bit out of the box, uh, but bear with me. Uh, those of you that are available to pray with people, would you just come and join me right right up here and, and face everybody out there, um, any of you that can pray um, and are willing to pray. It doesn't even have to be somebody that's designated. Some of you connection group leaders are welcome to come and help us. And then everybody, would you just close your eyes and bow your heads and give your neighbors just a moment of privacy. But uh, those of you that are prayer ministers, you can you can look around the room if you would, all right? What I'm gonna ask you to do as we pray together, is I'm, I'm just going to mention several things that I think uh, probably need prayer this morning. And if that's you, would you raise your hand? And then I'm going to ask our prayer team people to come to you and begin to pray with you where you are rather than having you come to them, okay? And so um, some people are already pray, raising their hands. That's awesome. If you have any kind of a prayer need, go ahead and raise your hand and you prayer team people can already begin to move. But I shared together earlier that that I felt like there was a huge spiritual struggle happening. Uh, And if that describes where you're at, you're in a spiritual struggle, would you raise your hand where you are? Raise your hand and and, and keep it up, all right? And prayer team people, you guys can go as people raise their hands. You can even begin to pray right away. And if nobody's with you, keep your hand up because we're just going to keep moving around the room. Um. If you're afraid of getting in the boat with Jesus 
for any of those reasons that I shared today, would you raise your hand? You're struggling with fear and you feel like Jesus is calling you to step out of your comfort zone, but it's really scary. Would you raise your hand? If you want to come to Jesus for the first time and receive forgiveness of sins and start a whole new life walking with Jesus, would you raise your hand? We would love to pray with you. If there's anything else you need prayer for, go ahead and raise your hand and we'll get somebody to you right away. All right, now if you're a Christian, if you know Jesus, would you just join me in praying for all these people that raised their hands this morning? Let's, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful that you told us that we don't have to be afraid, but we can confidently follow you and we can trust you to do everything you've called us to do. We can trust you, Lord, to heal us. We can trust you, Lord, to walk in forgiveness and reconciliation. We can trust you, Jesus, to lead us into relationships that we can make a difference. We can trust you to be on mission. Jesus, we can trust you to forgive our sins and give us transformation that starts from the inside out. Jesus, we can trust you. And today, Lord, I want to pray that you will remove all fear from all of us, Lord. Whatever it is we're afraid of, Jesus, we pray in the spiritual realm that you will remove the fear in the name of Jesus. I pray that you will remove spiritual roadblocks that are preventing us from becoming everything we could be. I pray, Lord, that you will remove the, the obstacles that the enemy of our souls is, is erecting to keep us from moving ahead as a church and, and, and as, a, as a significant spiritual force in the Gallatin Valley. And Lord Jesus, I know that there's people here that are praying for healing. I know there are people praying for financial miracles. We pray, Lord, that today you will, you will move us. I prayed it earlier, but I pray again, Lord, you will move us from subsistence living into abundance, Lord, financially and spiritually and relationally, Lord. We just pray for an abundance among every person in this room. And Jesus, we give you thanks for what you're starting and what you're doing in our lives. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.